We're in a series called Prioritize. Prioritize. And we've been walking through the book of Colossians. And uh, we're just learning from Paul. Like, what should our value system be? Uh, Lord, what do you want us to be going after that you might get the glory? And I just want to tell you, this last few weeks have been... Uh, well, it's been a kind of a breakout session for a lot of people. I've had a number of different people coming up at different times just in tears saying, like, I'm finally getting it. I'm finally letting go of some things. I've been living the wrong way. And, and like for the first time, I get this freedom in Christ and, and I'm starting to live for him. I'm not trying to earn it. I've already got it. And I never knew it. And now I'm living for him with all I have. And that's where we've been going in this adventure through Colossians and God's rocking many of our worlds as he's either reminding us or maybe getting it through to us for the first time that he's already nailed it to the cross. Just come to him and trust in him. Amen. Man, that's a message we got to hear over and over again. And uh, here's the thing, though. Colossians chapter two last week was like, let it all go, man, set it down. Like, we're done with this legalism, and we're, we're done with this, like, self-abasing junk and trying to beat it into us, and we're, we're, we're done with all of that. Now what do I do? If I'm not going to do that, then, then how do I live? I, I set down the way I've been living for X number of years. Now what? Welcome to Colossians chapter 3. Okay, so turn with me to Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. we got the ushers coming forward. If you need a Bible, just raise your hand. They're going to get one to you. Today we're talking about valuing holiness, but wow, do we have to be careful with that. Let's make sure we go after this God's way, okay? Lord, how do I pick this up? I've set down what you wanted set down. Now what? Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 11 tells us now what, okay? First step, set your mind on eternal Godly things, that's what. Uh, first step, set your mind on eternal and godly things. I don't know, Tim, that sounds like a lot of action here. I thought you were just saying set it all down and trust me, we're going to answer it as we move throughout this morning and it's going to be really important to keep hearing. This is not earn it. It's already yours. If you trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior, He loves you. Live in that love. And the response is, set your mind on eternal, godly things, okay? We'll just jump in here, verse 1. He says, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. If, it's a big word, two letters, not long, but big. If, like this only applies if, okay? If You've been, you've been raised with Christ. If you've literally been raised up, you've experienced life in Him. If you have trusted in Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you've said, Lord, please use your shed blood to replace what I owe. I'm not trying to earn it on my own. It's what you've done for me. If that's you, well, the next part's for you. Seek the things that are above. Seek the things. The word seek means to strive for, to, to look for deeply and, and intensely, to put all your effort into it. Seek the things that are above. Things that are above. These are things that God would be about. You know what I'm saying? Like the actions that would glorify God. I just wrote a few down. Like being willing to grow in Him. Being willing to share your love for Him with somebody else. Worshiping Him. Think that's going on above? Hello? Do you think that's going on above? Yes. Big time, right? Worship in a big way. 
actions that glorify God. Another thing that we can be going after that are things above are character that glorifies God. Love and joy and peace, patience and kindness, goodness and self-control. The things that are the fruit of the Spirit. Let's be going after those things. Let's be longing for those things. Let's be looking for those things. Let's be striving for those things. Seeking for the things that are above. That's what he's talking about. He says, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Now, this is covered in Ephesians chapter 1 as well. But Jesus Christ, after he rose from the dead, glorified body, ascended into heaven, it says that he was seated at the right hand of the Father. A couple big things about that. Right hand, like God's judgment hand. Seated, like work is done. You hear it? Like Jesus Christ paid the price when he cried out the words, It is finished! This is what he's talking about. Like, I will be seated. The work is accomplished. That's where Christ is, and that's what he's all about, is that unbelievable holiness of our Savior. And he's saying, seek those things. Those are unbelievably worthwhile to be about. Now he goes on in the next verse, he says, set your minds on the things that are above. Not just seek it, like strive for it, but Continually think about it. Let your mind ponder those things. Be about those things. Want those things in both head and heart. Set your mind on the things that are above. He says, after it, not on the things that are on the earth. Now, we have to be careful with this. He's talking about, you know, those things that are temporal and those things that fade. He's talking about those things that can distract. But he's not saying every single thing of the earth is evil. He's saying, be careful May God get your first thoughts. May God get your primary focus. This isn't a call to absolve yourself of anything physical, okay? There were a lot of monks who tried that, actually, for a long number of years, misunderstanding passages like this. And, And it's not saying physical is evil, but it is saying physical is temporal and certainly not worth your primary focus. Care for the things of this world, but long for the things of God. Strive for the things of God. Focus on the things above. Okay? Everybody get that? Need a real big feedback. Everybody get that? All right. We need to start talking to each other. Here we go. Okay. Notice he says right after it, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. For you have died. Now, when we read passages like this, this it's a really good moment to stop and just talk a little bit about understanding scripture. For you have died. This could mean physical death. Did Paul write to people that were not alive, like in a grave, like they can't read? Is that what's going on? Right? No, that's not what he's writing. So the plain sense of this understanding, he's clearly talking about, look, there's some things you've set aside. You've died to the things of this world. You've picked up the things of Christ. He's talking about the spiritual element that they're in. It's past tense over. They are saved. They are his. For you have died. And your life is hidden with Christ in God. Your life is hidden, you know, like the thing you would do to try to keep something away from a thief. Like like picture a safe in the wall behind a picture, right? And God's like, oh, that's mine. And this treasure is absolutely precious. And there isn't anybody that's going to get after this thing. You know what I'm saying? Like a thief, you will not be able to touch this. Your life is hidden with Christ. That's what he's saying. You're safe. In fact, Romans chapter 8, verses 37 to 39 just says, There is nothing that can separate us from the love of Christ. 
There is nothing that can separate us from the love. What can separate us from the love of Christ? All right, we're getting the talk back thing. Good. Absolutely nothing can separate us from him. Christ, in fact, he says right after it, is your life. Christ is your life. This is what it's all about if you're leaning on him, if you're trusting in him. He brings the hope. He brings the power. He brings the future. It's all about him. And notice it says, when Christ, who is your life, appears. Oh, my word, will that be a day, right? Like like when this second coming happens, guess what? You're going to be spending eternity with him in glory, right? He's basically saying this. Picture your lives. This is the length of it, no matter how long you live. Now picture all of eternity. That's where you're going to be spending your time. With him, glorifying him, worshiping him. Unbelievably free from anything holding you back from him. And and that's where we're going to be spending all of eternity. Why not start now? That's what he's saying here. Set your mind on things above. Don't get distracted with the temporal for the moment. It's an amazing freedom that we have. i got to tell you, we have... um, high passion for the word impact around here right we talk about impact services that's our sunday mornings our focus is lord move us like our goal is not to say lord help us fill another sunday it's lord move us may we truly meet you here may we learn more of you may everything come together that by the closing song we are ripped to the core by who you are i have met you i have met you in your word and i'm going out different because i met you here Impact. That's our Sunday morning service. Well, we've got some groups that meet midweek. You've heard us call them things like small groups. And I just want you to know that uh, we're not calling them that anymore. Okay? About a week and a half ago, two weeks ago, we came to this new title. They're called impact groups. Okay? Will we trip and call them small groups up here? I'm sure we will. Okay? So we're going to be changing the name as we go. Uh, everybody together with me, we're going to be calling them impact groups. What are they called? Yeah, you know why? Because we want them to have... Yeah, good. So you get it. You know what we don't want them? The emphasis. I really hope they're... Okay. You get it? Lord, may they be impacting. That's where we're going. Lord, help us be racked with you. May we place our mind on the things above. Let me just read a letter that came this last week from one of those impact groups that's been making some adjustments. We've made a few changes on what we're going after and some of the content and some of the flow that it might be based on some of the Sunday service stuff and stretching that forward and kind of being able to take another look at another passage and let's basically launch off of what God's doing here and may you impact us. That's what we're doing in these groups. Letter from one of the leaders. Hey, this went to Mike Kloffenstein, our our pastor of group life. Hey, I wanted to say that last Tuesday was our first meeting as an impact group on the pulpit-based curriculum and it was awesome. Capital A-W-E-S-O-M-E exclamation point. Our group is pretty reserved normally. But last Tuesday, though, everyone was talking and discussing how things applied to them and what they had thought about when Tim first presented the information on Sunday and how it opened up their eyes to this thing or that thing. Or then another one would chime in with, hey, what about this sort of a question? And in short, it was the best group I think we've ever had. Anyway, this change has been great for our group. We're being impacted. That's what we're going after. Let's set our minds on things above. 
Lord, move us and stir us. May he move us in the services. May he move us in our impact groups. May he move us during our private time with him. May we place our minds on him, not on the things of this world. Amen? So question, how are you doing with being able to think on the things above? Maybe put it this way. What's a distraction in this world that tends to be taking up your attentions that you might be able to set aside to better run after him? It's easy to have something in family and it's easy to have some hurts and even things about like the home. Things that really, it's not wrong to have a home and it's not wrong to care for it. But when it starts to consume us and become our primary, that's when we're making the mistake. What do we need to push down to second or third place that God might have first? What needs to go in your life? Make sure you grab onto that. Set it aside today begin to commit to run after him with all you've got okay that's first step set your mind on eternal godly things second commit with god to put to death earthly sin in you commit with god to put to death earthly sin in you we'll start in verse five here he says put to death therefore what is earthly in you i know it's not that ingenious right It came like right out of the passage. You're not even trying hard. No, really. Let's just do the word. Let's make sure the word is what we're applying. All right. So put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Put to death. This word, actually, if you have the King James, it says mortify. Okay. It literally means kill it. All right. That's what it means. Now, I got to tell you, this word's been overused and misused over the centuries. So let me just talk about it for a second. Like the word mortification. Okay. Um, it's, it's a biblical word, right? Just, if you've got the King James, it's biblical in that manner. And, and, and it's not capturing a wrong concept at its core, but too many people have twisted. They're like, well, how do you kill the things of the flesh? How do I go after these sins? And, and what way do I do that? And, and so they started creating lists and mortification started to become, well, it started to become asceticism. Colossians chapter 2. It started to become, I'm going to abuse my flesh and train my flesh that my flesh might get in line. And we see from Colossians 2.23 that it says very clearly, that will not stop the indulgences of the flesh. It won't work. It's kind of ironic that they got through Colossians 2, they hit 3, and they're like, we better figure out how to do it. And so they decided to do the things that contradicted Colossians 2. They missed it. And so watch out. If you see phrases like mortification, if you see phrases about training the flesh really be careful make sure you watch biblically how to execute it it can really be misused put to death therefore kill it that which is earthly in you starve it it's maybe another way to think of it don't let it have any feeding with you okay notice he says right after it a list of things like which things what should we put to death what do you mean by earthly well he gives us a list so sexual immorality It's like, it came from the Greek word porneia. It literally means illicit sexual intercourse. Like, you're having intimate relationships with somebody other than your spouse. Knock it off. Impurity. It literally means not clean. Not clean thinking, not clean wanting. Impurity. Passion. Now, the passion and evil desire, i got to be honest, these two are a little bit hard to separate But passion is probably best thought of as those bodily hungers, the pangs, 
the, the pang for food, the, the pang for relationship, the pang for a physical intimacy, these pangs and longings that the body seems to scream out that often we, we really don't think we just answer to. Like as soon as we start feeling the hunger, we start looking for the cabinet. You know what I'm saying? And, and so just the passions, be careful with it. Don't be driven by the passions, be driven by the reason and, and, The next one is evil desire. And the best way I could distinguish the two is I'd say evil desire engages the brain. Evil desire is when you start thinking it through and conniving and saying, if I could make it this way, then I could have. Okay. And so evil desire along with passion is that thing within us that drives us towards wrongdoing. And then the last one here, covetousness. Read this week. I thought it was really good insight. Covetousness. It's a sin that probably is at the core of every other sin. Because the definition of coveting literally is, I want what doesn't belong to me. Isn't that really the core of every sin? Like, I'm going to go take what isn't rightly mine, and I'm going to take it in the wrong timing and with the wrong methods. I'm going to take because I want. And so covetousness, often really at the core of everything, it's me, itself. And these are the things I need to set aside. And there's something else that's more important than God. And that's why he says right at the end there, which is idolatry. Idolatry. The definition of idolatry is God's not first. That's the definition. So what's first in your life? If there's something other than God himself, that thing has become an idol of sorts. It might be something you obtain. It might be even education or a degree. It might be respect. It might be glory. It might be money. It might be possessions. Whatever it is, it can take more preeminence in your life than Christ himself. That's what we have to watch out for. Those are the things we need to literally, it says, kill it. Kill it. Well, I got to tell you, Tim, Colossians 2 was a very freeing message. But Colossians 3 is kind of heavy to me. I'm not sure how this isn't just me doing again and how I didn't get stuck. Hang on, bear with me. We're going to talk about that, okay? We're not just going to run out and try to do on our own. Hang with me. At the end of this point that we're in right now, I've got a list of how we're going to do it, all right? Okay. Why? Why should we put these things to death? Notice he gives right after the list, which is idolatry. then says, on account of... So you hear the purpose statement in that? On account of... These, the wrath of God is coming. The wrath of God is coming. Know this. God's wrath is meted out against rebellion to him. Here's the beauty of it. Jesus Christ is taking God's wrath upon himself. That's what the cross is all about. He takes God's wrath upon himself and says, it is finished. Like I'm covering the payment. I've got that watched over. It is covered. Okay. And in the midst of being covered, His wrath is no longer going to touch us if we're believers, if we trust in him. For those who don't trust in him and say, I've got this on my own, he's saying, well, the wrath of God is coming. That's what Revelation is all about. It's the meeting out of God's wrath against those who won't let Christ be their king and pay for it. The wrath of God is coming, and here's the second reason. In these, you too once walked when you were living in them. Come on, man. You used to live in that. Let go of it. That's where you used to be. Christ died for that. Get out of it. Right? Those are the reasons. Let's let go because of what he's done for us. Let's let go because of the price he paid for us. He says, but now you must. You must. Like, this is a choice. This is a decision. This is a command. 
You must put them all away. Put them all away. Now, this word is also put off in some of yours. It literally means to declothe yourself. It's sort of like, I came to Christ and I'm wearing these rags and Christ is like, take that off. We've got such better clothing for you. You wouldn't believe what I have for you. Just take that off. Let's get dressed with the unbelievable gift of righteousness that I've got in you. Okay? And and so let's take it and put it away. Let's set it aside. Let's declothe or unclothe ourselves. It says something there, though. We need to put, put that all away. Put how much of it away? Put how much of it away? How much of it should we kill? Yeah, a universal approach to sin. Read something this week. It was very uh, convicting. You know what the ultimate in a sin statement is for a Christian? I'll work on this sin. It's like, this is the one that bothers me. Are you hearing it? Like all these other sins over here, like I'm not gonna, I'm not worried about those. Those don't really bother me. But this one bothers me, and so I'll go after it. There's still self in it, and let's go after all of it, not just some of it. Let's put it all away as we allow him to work. And then he goes into a list of what we should put away. He says, put away anger. It's like a deep, smoldering bitterness. It usually comes out when you're under attack. Anger. Wrath. It's like a violent outburst. Good analogy I read this week. It's like when you throw a match into um, dry straw, when it just ignites on fire. You know, I was in high school. I had a friend uh, whose dad in front of us took a Christmas tree they wanted to get rid of. And so they, he shoved it up the chimney. Yeah, you know what's coming next. And then took a match and threw it on it. And we all lost our eyebrows. Whoosh! And we step back and this flame goes up the walls and it's just cooking the place. And you're like, whoa, get something to put it out. By the time they went and got a fire extinguisher and got back, it was already gone. It was just one big and there was black scarring and tarring all over the walls. You know what I'm saying? Like that's what wrath looks like. The wrath of man does not work the righteousness of God. James 1.20. The big outburst, it'll leave scars on the wall and it hurts. Don't express through wrath and anger. Malice, bent on doing harm. I can't believe they did that. I'm going to hurt them back. Malice. Slander, usually comes after some other sin, but it usually works like this. Did you hear about so-and-so? Did you hear what they did? And then that's not juicy enough, so we kind of we add a little to it. Know what I'm saying? And so we start getting a little bit more and a little bit more on it. And we're talking ill of other people. And quite frankly, a lot of it is even untrue as we spread something about someone. Probably often to even get the attention off of ourselves. Slander. Obscene talk. Foul. Mean. Hurtful. Crude. Watch your humor. Watch your jabs. Watch what you're willing to put your lips on and about as you talk. Be careful. The next one, lying. He says lying there, spreading untruth. Spreading something that isn't real and isn't right. It's a pretty heavy-duty list, isn't it? Wow, I feel really uplifted, Tim. Thanks. That's Colossians 3, right? We just have to be careful with how we pick this up. So again, just hang on for a second. We're going to get to it. He says... Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self and its practices and have put on the new self. Have put off, have put on. Past tense, it's done. 
Okay, when you're saved, you literally have set aside the old self. Romans chapter six, the old self has been crucified. We have this freedom in Christ. The new self is ours. You know, second Corinthians five, 17, you're a new creation. Romans chapter eight, God is literally calling you his own. He's adopted you as his son or his daughter. You are literally a child of the king of the universe. That's what he's saying. You have died to that stuff. You have put it aside and you have picked up this new life it is yours. At the end there, he says, which is being renewed. Man, is this important, isn't it? So yes, past tense done. And yet there is some present tense going on is being in the present tense renewed. God is working on us. God is transforming us. God is changing us to look more like him. Romans chapter eight, we're being conformed to his image. And what does it? Notice that in knowledge after the image of its creator. Knowing him. Knowledge. I'd even put it this way. Here's a couple of different no's that are part of it. Knowing him. John chapter 15 verses 1 through 11. Knowing his power. Philippians 3 verse 10. Knowing his word. Hebrews 4 12. Where it talks about the word of God being like a two-edged sword. Able to work in your life in amazing ways. Knowing the Spirit's work, John chapter 16. As he's guiding, as he's convicting, as he's leading us and showing us who Christ is. Knowing the Spirit's glory, 2 Corinthians 3. As we literally bask in his glory, we're transformed from one degree of glory to another. Knowing, it's unbelievable what knowing him does, what knowing his power does what knowing his word does what knowing his spirit's work does what knowing his spirit's glory does know him spend time with him bask in him the knowledge of him is what changes us how many christians have i run into where they're like i don't know about this christian thing man i don't know but as we dig down deep it's well, i'm not spending any time with them and i'm not spending any time hearing from him and i'm not spending any time in his word and i certainly don't have anything to do with his glory right now and i'm not spending time well if we don't know We won't grow. Okay? This growing, this transforming, this renewing, it comes with knowing him. I'm telling you, your Christian walk can ignite with that. Okay, deep breath. Everybody do it with me. Deep breath. All right, so put to death. Kill it. Put it off. Put some other things on and legalism and... How do I avoid the legalism in the midst of that? And how do I avoid the asceticism? How do I avoid that but go after this list? How am I going to do it? Here's the first statement I want to make. Remember this. It's not to be loved. I am loved. It's not to be loved. I am loved. Go ahead and say it with me. It's not to be loved. I am loved. Are you hearing it? Good time for an answer. Are you hearing it? Okay, not to be loved, I am loved. We're not doing any of this to earn. He's done it. He's nailed it to the cross. The price is paid. It is finished. Christ at work. You are free. Now, you're living a thank you offering back to him. It's not to be loved, I am loved. Okay? Here's a list. Top five ways you can go after beating those Christian blahs. Okay? I'm just stuck in it. The blahs. And we're going to spell it with blah. All right. So number one, take a guess. It begins with a B. Breathe. Breathe. 
But I'm going to tell you something I learned this week. We talk about spiritual breathing, right? And for those who haven't been with us, this exhaling out is like confessing. Lord, please forgive me. And I'm wrong. And I want to get in alignment with you. And the inhaling, you're awesome. And I just want to praise you for who you are and what you've done. Spiritual breathing, the inhaling and the exhaling. Here's what I learned. And I'm going to try it with you. You ready? Everybody do this for me. Try to blow out as hard as you can. Ready? Go ahead. Blow out as hard as you can. All right. Now, did you breathe in first before you did it? I did. Like every time. When I didn't, I went like this. Like I got nothing. You know what I mean? You breathe in, then you breathe out. I'm telling you one thing I learned about spiritual breathing this week. It starts with his awesomeness. It starts with inhaling him. It starts with his grandeur. It starts with his greatness. It starts with his love. It starts with him. Amen? Amen. That's where we're at. Breathing. Just breathe in his greatness. In light of who you are now, Lord, that's where the confession starts. It's all because of you. It's because I am loved, not to be loved. Amen? Amen. All right, that's breathing. Number two, learning. The breathe and then the learn. This is like Psalm 119, verse 11, where he says, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. It's like learn his word, know his plan, follow with him. Spend time in his word. That's what the learning is. Like, Lord, teach me. I want to hear from you. If you're not in his word, you'll miss out on his training. And that's a big part of breaking through the blahs of Christianity. Breathing and then learning. If we go about this all the wrong way, trying to earn it, we end up in despair. But when we run after him hard in the right way, with him in the lead, because of his love, we end up in repair. God actually doing the work. Breathe and then learn. Now, the next three, we have to be real careful on. This is where it can go really legalistic if we do it wrong, okay? And if we do it right, it's life-changing. So number three, avoid. Second Timothy 2.22 talks about getting away from that stuff that's like your lust that will destroy you. Flee from that. Get away from it. First Corinthians 10.13. God will give you a way to escape. I'm telling you, he'll give you a way to escape. Trust him. You're not being tempted beyond what anybody else has. That's First Corinthians 10.13. Avoiding. It's a big part of getting rid of some of the sin. To put it off literally means to not hang out where it's going down where you tend to be falling. Okay? Set it aside. Well, what should I set aside? What are the sins I should go after? Well, obviously, the ones you know you're struggling with, right? Like, come on, seriously, if I say, what are some of the sins you're struggling with? Don't say it out loud. But what are some of the sins you're struggling with? You probably didn't need to think even that long, right? And you've got a few that you really know you're wrestling with, okay? So some of it is, what am I struggling with? But honestly, another piece of it is, well, getting some feedback from others. Blind spot. It can be a celebration time. Blind spots. Like, Lord, seriously, what do I need to know? And, and hearing from others as they say, well, did you know that I'm seeing this and this? And maybe that's a struggle. And blind spots. Often we think we are really getting it down because we haven't asked the person next to us what they think. You know what I'm saying? And all of a sudden we get a whole new insight to who we are. Blind spots. 
So going after it, setting it down, killing it, make sure you're running after Christ as you do this. It's like, Lord, I just want to glorify you. That's why I'm done with this. I'm not earning you. You've given it to me. I'm just running to you with all I've got. Now, here's my request. Are you ready? Everybody listening? When somebody comes to you and they say, help me out with a blind spot, be careful. I'm going to tell you how to do this, okay? So first of all, Galatians 6.1 says, gently, in the truth, but gently. It does say, Matthew 18, that we should do it, that we should be confronting, but gently and with truth. Remember, you're not the Holy Spirit. Your goal is not to convict them. That's God's job. Your job is just to be a witness. Don't change positions. You're not the judge. You're not the jury. You're the witness on the stand. You know what I'm saying? The kind where they they say to you, what did you see that night? I saw him over by the store. And what conclusions do you come to with that? I think he's the one who robbed the store. Right? They're like, objection, your honor. Like the witness doesn't have the right to come to these conclusions. Step off of conclusions. That's the Holy Spirit's job. Let him convict. Amen? Yeah. Need some talking on that one. I'm going to say this now. There is satanic conviction and there is divine conviction. Let that settle for a moment. There is satanic conviction and there is divine conviction. Really? I don't know if I buy that one, Tim. You got a chapter and verse? Yeah, Job chapter 1, Revelation chapter 12. We have Satan literally coming before the throne of God going, Did you see that guy? Did you see what he did? Look, how would you even want him near you? He's not worth loving. Come on. What's with that? Job chapter 1, Revelation chapter 12. Here's, we're not done though. He also accuses us. Now he comes to the other side. What's with you? You did that and you think you're worthy of what he's done? Get real. That's pathetic. You're not worth him. Do you see the wedge? Satanic conviction. It leaves you literally with your sin, yourself, and your shame. Satanic conviction. Do not be that player. I'm telling you, we can often mean well and we want to help out. And as we go to step in, what we end up doing is bringing satanic destruction to the moment because we leave them in their sin, their self, and their shame. Divine conviction. God Almighty literally saying, it is finished. The price has been paid. Think of the prodigal father as he runs to the field to meet that son. He scoops him in his arms. He holds him close. He brings him home for a celebration party. Are you kidding me? Of course you're forgiven. That's divine conviction. Divine conviction. It leaves us with our sweet Savior. At his cross, at his feet, absolute forgiveness. Stunning God of the universe. Now that's divine conviction. Man, when you come face to face with your sin, you need to walk away with the most amazing revelation of your God. That's what we're talking about. It's like arms held high, worshiping him. That's divine conviction. Don't buy in to the darkness of satanic conviction. Little example. Uh, Matt Chandler, I watch different preachers and, and uh, try to learn from them. And uh, this guy rocks as a preacher. I'm not backing all that he says, okay? So please, no letters. There's some things he's done that I get. They're probably a little questionable. But this guy definitely knows what he's talking about when it comes to gospel and power. And he was talking about a time where he basically became sickened with where the legalistic church was headed and went something like this. He said, 
I was at a at a convent or a convention and they were they were talking through uh, sexual purity and the guy started talking about what we should avoid and what we should be about and God's plan in it and at one point he picked up a rose and he took the rose and he smelled it and he said this rose smells awesome you guys should check this out and he, he passed it out into the crowd and I mean a crowd of thousands of people and said just pass it around seriously check it out and and he continues on with his message well by the time he gets done with his message this rose comes back to the front and he picks the rose up and unfortunately I mean it had been beat on like it was broken at the stem and the petals had fallen off and not a lot of smell to it now and he picks it up and he says handing yourself out into the world sexually it's like putting this rose out into this congregation look at this and he said who would want this and matt chandler horrified me horrified as i heard the story He said, I wanted to stand up and scream, what are you kidding me? Jesus wants that rose. That's who wants that rose. He loves that rose. That's who wants that rose. He died for that rose. Are you kidding me? That's the gospel message that we've come up short. And he loves us so much that he reaches out. Our God saying, it is finished. Come to me. Price paid. You are free. Amen. Man, that's what we're talking about. Give him some applause. That's what we're talking about. When we avoid and we end up in our own sin and our shame, that is satanic conviction. And it's from the pit of hell and no more of it. Man, as a body, we've got to be so passionate that we will love one another, that we will work with one another, and that we will leave each other in this mode. At the foot of the cross with his arms wrapped around Jesus Christ, our King, our Savior, our Lord, here for us forever. Amen? That's our God. Man, there is nothing more empowering than that truth. There is nothing more powering than knowing this. You are loved. You are loved. You are loved. He's got his arms out for you and he's reaching out for you. And I want you to know, I love you. I'm hurting for you and with you. I'm willing to stand in the gap with you. You are loved. That's how you break through and go after hardcore, dynamic, life-changing, earth-shattering walk with him. Amen? Amen. Colossians chapter 2, death legalism do it myself stuck in my sin and shame colossians chapter 3 absolute freedom from our almighty king as he reaches out to love us with all he's got and that's only the first day bla so those are the three steps breathe learn and avoid fourth well if i'm avoiding and i'm trying to get away from it tim i'm telling you i try to not think about it and i keep thinking about it you know like check this out Don't think of the color blue. And you've all thought of blue. 
Right? The first thing you do is you think of the color, and then you start thinking about what it's not. And, and, and you sit here trying to wrestle with it, and, and right? We have a problem when we're trying to just not do something. you got to replace it. This apply is what that's all about. Ephesians chapter 4, Colossians chapter 3, that God might be glorified. We go after putting on the things that are the exact opposite of what we're struggling with. I'm standing by the water cooler every day during break, and people love talking about each other, and so so do I. And so I chit-chat with them, and I keep falling into talking about all the juicy meat of people's lives and what's going wrong, and how do I get out of that? Well, first, avoid, like, don't go to the water cooler, right? So I'm done with that place, but, but now what do I do? Well, now start saying, Lord, I was using my lips to tear flesh down. Now may I use lips to build you up and to encourage those around me. Lord, help me find a way to express something that's great about what's going on around here, that's awesome about who you are. Did you see so-and-so? That guy's awesome. Man, is he a hard... That guy works hard. He gets what we're doing around. Did you see that guy? I'm telling you, most people in the workplace are like, what, do you have like a little love affair with the guy? Like, I'm just telling you, the guy's awesome. We should be encouraging people around here, shouldn't we? Right? I'm telling you how foreign it is to the world to use your tongue to build up. Go after it. Go after it with all you've got. Setting aside the things that are your breakdown, grabbing onto those things that would be the exact opposite to get you away from it. What an amazing freedom in being able to apply. Well, Tim, I'm trying to do those things. I've been trying to avoid and apply. I've been trying to stay away from it, and I can't break this sin. I don't know what to do. Well, that's where this last A comes in. Abstain. Abstain. So it's breathe, learn, avoid, apply, abstain. Abstain means I'm going to set aside rightful pleasures for a short time that I might spend more time with God. For example, fasting. Like, I'm not going to eat right now because I'm not going to take time to cook or eat or clean up. I'm not going to spend time with others in that moment. I'm actually going to go away, and while I'm not eating, I'm now going to spend time with him. And I'm going to spend time breathing, and I'm going to spend time in his word, and I'm going to spend time literally saying, Lord, break this sin in me. I'm done with it. And, And it works two levels. Number one, you're spending more time with them. And number two, you're literally weakening Some of the self going after self, even though it's a rightful pleasure. God's like, food, it's good. I actually designed it. I'd love for you to embrace it. But it's okay to set it down for a little bit. And you're now weakening a little bit of the physical, and it allows your spiritual to strengthen up. As God pours into you, as his glory pours over you, here's what it's not. Fasting. Dude, I so did not eat last night. (laughs) Really? What'd you do? Well, I watched a football game, and... uh, I don't know. I didn't even think about what I did. What do you mean, what did I do? Well, you're just not eating. That's all that is. That's not fasting. Fasting includes with it a spiritual endeavor, a focus on being with your Savior, a time to learn with Him. And there's things you can set aside, and you decide what that might be, and it's up to you personally. And this isn't, again, you start turning to somebody, and you're like, did you fast this week? I did. Do you hear I just fell to Colossians 2, legalism? Check the box, measure it off. Like, we're missing it. It's more like this. I'm so in love with Jesus Christ, I can't imagine being any more in love with him. I'm just looking forward to tomorrow and seeing what that brings. I'm telling you this. When you beat yourself and your flesh up, you come away with this statement. Wow. 
My flesh. Like it's failing. You know what I mean? When you are truly worshiping him, you come away with this statement. Wow. God is awesome. Are you hearing the difference? One is so aware of self. The other is so aware of God. That's your measure as to whether you're doing it right. Okay? Really watch out. It's a big deal. Okay. So the blahs. I'm going to say it one more time. Breathing. That's confessing your sin after you've inhaled his greatness. And just spending some time cycling that. Breathing. Learning. Spending time learning from his word. Avoiding. Get away from those things that are tripping you. Even get some insights from others on what you might need to do there. Hey, if somebody's asked you to give some insight, watch yourself. You are not the Holy Spirit. Don't tear them down. Don't leave them ending with their flesh and their self. You lead them to the Savior, their almighty king, who's scooping them up in his arms to hold them close. Avoiding and then applying. Lord, I'm going to go after those right things in my life that honor you and that get me away from my brokenness. May you be glorified. Lord, it's not breaking. Time to take some special moments of abstaining that you might get the victory there. Okay? Got an example for this or an illustration, Tim? Yeah, I got one. So uh, this week was my birthday. On Tuesday, I turned 47. And uh, uh, 47. I know. I put on my Facebook. I thought my parents were 47. You know what I mean? 47. And uh, so my wife uh, bought Lou Malnati's pizza and Portillo's, and she had it freeze-dried shipped, so it came over the weekend. So we cooked that up on Tuesday night, okay? Lou Malnati's pizza. Let me say that again. Lou Malnati's pizza. Awesome deep dish. I mean, cheese and sausage. The cheese just just stringy, soft. You're not the 11 o'clock crew, so it's a little easier to say this without losing you now. Perfect spices, unbelievable as we all ate this and all of us are taking seconds and the family's just loving the Lou Malnati's and, and, uh, well, what do you think I had for leftovers throughout the week? Do you think? Like, ah, uh, I don't know. I've got Portillo's in there and Lou Malnati's. I don't know. Maybe I'll just have a bologna sandwich. <laughs> do you think? Are you kidding me? I was eating this anytime I could for lunches, for dinners throughout the whole week. We finally ran out on Friday, so we went out to Alexander's for dinner on Saturday. I mean, when we have stuff made available for us that is unbelievable, top shelf dining, why would we not take it? That's what God's saying here. I've got for you top shelf dining. And we're like, I don't know, bologna sandwich sounds good. You gotta be kidding. Set it aside. Grab onto what God's got for you. Running away from the stuff of this world that entangles us and tears us down. Grabbing onto him with all we have. Experiencing him all the richer and all the deeper. That God might be glorified. That Christ might be raised up. To God be the glory. Amen? Now that'll live long, hard, and well. With a lot of smiles on faces. With joy and thankfulness. As you go after God that way. That's my prayer for you, is to run for him with all you've got. So the simple question, you ready to let go of some sin? You know what that stuff is for you. Time to call it bottom shelf and set it down. Time to go after some top shelf living. Say, Lord, I'm ready to hear from you. I want you in my life. 
I want you to be that prodigal father running to meet me in the field. I'm ready to meet you there. Tears and celebration and all the rest. I'm done with this. May you be lifted up. Praise be to God. All right. Third. Last piece here. Do not let human distinctions be a barrier to holy living. Do not let human distinctions be a barrier to holy living. We're just going to take just a second in this verse here. Notice he says in verse 11, here, there is no Greek and Jew. Here, here where? Where Christ is. Where salvation is. Where Jesus Christ is your Lord, your almighty king. Where he, the great I am is, that is here. Here, there is none of the following. There is no national distinctions. Greek and Jew. That's what that is. Right? Israel and not Israel. Okay? There's no national distinction. No religious distinctions. Circumcised and uncircumcised. Like I'm following the I'm not following like there's none of that religious distinction. Cultural distinction. That's barbarian and Scythian. The barbarian was like the lowest of the low non Greek guy. Okay? And the Scythian was like even lower. That's what it is, okay? Barbarian and Scythian. Low and lower. All right. Uh, economic distinctions, slave and free. No privilege and then those with privilege. Now instead, it's simply stated this way. Christ is all and Christ is in all. That's our God. Amen. Christ is all and Christ is in all. We have the hope of Jesus Christ in us. And him changing us. We get to know the one who is creator and sustainer. He is preeminent Lord of the universe. He stopped and paid a price for us on the cross and screamed out, It is finished. And in that moment, we have not just a God, but our God. We have our God, the great I am, the one to be worshipped with all we've got. May we run to him. May we live with him. May we know him as our own. As you live life coming face to face with your sin, know this. Spend just a second there and throw it at the feet of the cross and embrace what he's offering out. He calls you righteous. He calls you holy. Your sin covered at the cross. That's our savior. Amen. That's who we need to be worshiping. That's life in him. That's hope in him. No distinctions. All of us in Christ in one spot. Saved. May he get the glory. That's our king. Can you tell I'm a little hopped up on this passage? Let's just take a moment here to spend a little bit of time reflecting on him and praising him. Okay? I'll just ask the worship team to come on up while I'm doing this. Let's just spend a moment where we inhale first, right? Because if you're going to knock the blahs, it starts with breathing and we inhale first. So let me just lead us in a little bit of prayer time here.